The first text we're going to read for tonight is just one verse. It's 2 Corinthians 13, 14. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. This is the end of that book. May the grace of the Lord Jesus and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. May the grace of the Lord Jesus and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The first part of the picture of the Holy Spirit that I want us to see tonight is that the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. When we talk about the Trinity, we talk about one God existing in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And of course, we know that that's true, but functionally, we sometimes minimize the Spirit and talk a lot more about the Father and the Son. You can even see this a bit in the Apostles' Creed. The Creed says we believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and then rightfully so, it spends quite a bit of space on Jesus Christ. And then it affirms belief in the Holy Spirit in one line, and then goes on to the church, the communion of saints, and so on. And in some ways, that makes a lot of sense, because it seems like a lot of the Holy Spirit's work is what you might call background work. The Holy Spirit brings us to life. The Holy Spirit brings us to Jesus. The Holy Spirit brings us into the church. Often the Holy Spirit seems to function a bit like someone with a flashlight pointing us the way we want to go. And in that situation, you usually don't spend all your time looking at the flashlight or looking at the guide. You look to where they're pointing you. So it's not necessarily bad that we don't spend as much time talking about the Holy Spirit as we do about the Father and the Son. But there is a danger there. And the danger is that we tend to think of the Holy Spirit as more like a force or a power than really as a third person of the Trinity. Could I ask you to reflect a moment to think back and to think which pronoun you tend to use for the Holy Spirit? When you think about the Holy Spirit, when you talk about the Holy Spirit, would you say that He does things, or would you say that it does things? When we talk about God's Spirit acting, do we talk about it acting, or about Him acting? The biblical witness gives us a lot of images for the Holy Spirit, but it's clear that it really does want us to believe in one God in three persons. But in our everyday language, our everyday thinking, we often turn the Holy Spirit into more of an impersonal force than a really personal being. This is a problem with how we think because then we have a mental picture that doesn't quite jive with what the Bible has to say to us. So we need to adjust that mental picture a bit sometimes, have that reminder, we do worship one God who exists in three persons. So that's a problem with how we think, but this sometimes also leads to a problem with how we act with regard to the Holy Spirit. We treat a force or a power differently than how we treat a person. A force is there to be controlled, to be managed, to be used to do something else. You treat your electricity different than you treat your family and your neighbors, or at least I hope you do, and if you don't, you got a problem. But imagine if you're standing in your kitchen. You've got a number of useful appliances in there, and to get them to work, all you need to do, usually at least, is 
plug them in. You want toast? You plug in your toaster, you put the bread in, and toast comes up. You want coffee maker? You mix the stuff up, you turn it on, coffee comes out. You want waffles? You get your waffle maker out, you plug it in, you make the waffles, and that's that. Whatever food you want, whatever you want to do, you expect the electricity to do for you. You don't want a relationship with your electricity. You don't really want to get up and have a talk with your toaster or your coffee maker in the morning. You probably have no interest in opening up the walls of your kitchen and seeing what the electricity is doing back there. You just want to plug stuff in, use it to get what you want, and get on with your life. And if we're not careful, we can treat the Holy Spirit like electricity, like this power that's just there for us to get what we want. Now, sometimes we even do that with great intentions. We pray to God to give us power to do good things. But we can talk about the Spirit. We can think about the Spirit. We can act as if the Spirit is just like spiritual electricity, just power, not a person. And I think that the more we treat the Holy Spirit as just a force, the more we're likely to misuse it, the more we're likely to misuse that dynamic of the person of the Holy Spirit leading us into fellowship with God and make it more a dynamic of us asking God to give us a certain power so that we can do certain things. So be reminded tonight, the Holy Spirit is a person who works powerfully among and within us, not just a force to do with what we want. And a lot of contemporary religiosity has this idea of this vague force out there. It's almost Star Wars spirituality, that there's this power in the cosmos that somehow we can plug into and use to do what we want. That is not the Christian picture of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. Now, of course, along with that, we know that the Holy Spirit is a powerful person. So I want us, once we have this idea that the Holy Spirit is a person, to think also about some ways that the Holy Spirit has power and some ways that the Holy Spirit gives us power. We'll go to our next text for tonight. I'm going to read a couple verses from 1 Thessalonians. We're going to read 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses to six. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us power unto faith. When the gospel comes to those who believe, it comes with power because of the work of the Holy Spirit. Sin is a deadly disease. It is an addiction that we human beings cannot escape from. And part of the addiction to sin that we have is that we don't want to give it up. And part of the reality that humanity has to face after Adam's fall is that we can't give sin up on our own. We're trapped. We're stuck. You may have seen advertisements lately for the movie The 33. The 33. 
That's a movie about a mine collapse that happened about five years ago in Chile. 33 miners were working several hundred, I think even a couple thousand feet below the surface of the earth when most of the roof of their mine fell in. Now, all 33 of them managed to make it to the designated safe space to the safe room they had in that mine, but they were trapped thousands and thousands of feet below the surface. They had hardly any tools. They had very little food and water. They had no hope of getting to the surface on their own. They were stuck. Humanity is in that spiritual condition. Sin and evil have caved in the roof and were trapped, were imprisoned, were stuck beyond hope of escape. Nothing that we can do can get people out of sin. Now, in that mine a few years ago, a huge international rescue effort was mounted. There were all kinds of companies and governments getting involved, expertise, resources, tools, all kinds of things came flooding in. They ended up drilling several holes, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of feet through the ground to get to those miners. They were able eventually to establish communication, to send food down, to send some medical supplies. And after quite a few, quite a few days, I think even some weeks of work, they were eventually able to bring those miners up from the pit in this specially constructed little rescue pod. In the whole story of humanity, the Holy Spirit is the one who rescues us. All people start out buried in sin, and the Holy Spirit brings us up and brings us back to life and to faith. When people's hearts are hard and they're set in sin... The Holy Spirit goes to work through the gospel of Jesus Christ and brings people back to life. The Holy Spirit works powerfully to bring people to faith. If you, if you believe in Jesus today, that did not start with anything that you did. It started with the Holy Spirit coming to you and working in your heart and bringing you up from the pit of sin and death, convicting you of the truth, bringing you to faith in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit gives us, gives everyone who believes in Jesus, power unto faith. So if you believe in Jesus, you never have any reason to be proud of that. We never have any reason to be proud that we're believers and the people out there are unbelievers. It's not what we did. The credit all goes to the Holy Spirit working in us in bringing us to Christ. We have no reason to be proud. But we do have a lot of reason to be grateful. God had every right to leave every single one of us down there in that pit of sin. But instead the Holy Spirit came to each of us who believes and brought us to faith and brought us to life. God values you so much that he went after you and he brought you to life and he brought you to Christ. That is great, great cause for gratitude. And it's also cause for hope. It's cause for hope for the people in our lives who we don't think could ever come to the faith. The Holy Spirit is the one who brings people to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the one who plants that seed of faith. So there is hope even for people who seem to be locked into cold, 
hard unbelief. The Holy Spirit can break the toughest heart of stone. So don't give up hope even for those truly difficult people in your life. The Holy Spirit gives us power unto faith. And because of that, there is hope for everybody. Let's go on to our next passage now. I'm going to read from Galatians, from Galatians 5, and I'm going to read verses 16 to 26. Galatians 5, 16 to 26. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying one another. The Holy Spirit gives us power unto holiness. The Holy Spirit gives us power unto holiness. Once we're alive in Christ, the Holy Spirit works with us to make us live in God's ways. Our old sinful nature keeps fighting back. The sinful nature, those old behaviors, doesn't want us to do what the Holy Spirit wants for us. We Christians are always in a battle between the sinful nature and the Spirit. And since the Spirit has brought us to life, we know which side will win in the end, But as long as we're on this earth, we have to keep fighting for holiness day after day after day. We could, all of us, every single one of us, could make our own list of things that pull us back toward the sinful nature. Maybe you're holding on to grievances from years or decades ago and refusing to forgive. Maybe you fly off the handle every time someone disagrees with you. Maybe you like stirring the pot of anger and gossip and irritation at the office. Maybe you drink too much. Maybe, maybe you're hoping right now the next thing I list isn't your besetting sin. All of us have things that we struggle with, and none of us overcomes those things overnight. But the Bible calls us to live more and more in step with the Holy Spirit. And as the Holy Spirit brings us to life and leads us along, we should expect to see some of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. The Spirit leads us away from sin and on to good things. And as he works in us, the Holy Spirit produces love and joy, peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and all kinds of good things. Now, as we think about the Holy Spirit giving us power unto holiness, 
there's a challenge and a comfort there. We know that we can't earn our salvation. The Holy Spirit is the one who brings us to faith. But you need to work out your salvation. The Holy Spirit gives all believers the power to become more holy. But we also need to be working more and more and putting everything we have into that process of sanctification, into that process of becoming more holy, more like who God wants us to be. And so periodically, it's good for us to ask ourselves, do we see? Do we see the fruit of the Spirit coming into being in our lives? If you look at your life, do you see the fruit of the Spirit there? Do you see the fruit of the Spirit's work in your life? If you believe in Jesus, if the gospel has been planted in your heart, then you'd better be bearing some fruit. Now the measure each of us is able to do varies, and the Lord works graciously with all of us all the time. But if you don't see any fruit in your life, you need to be asking yourself some hard questions. If you can't see any increase in any of those fruit of the Spirit in your life, then you need to take another serious look at your heart. The sinful nature keeps pulling us all the time away from the things of the Spirit, and sometimes we need that wake-up call to get back on track. In your life lately, if you've been prioritizing anything more than following God, it's time to make a change. If you've gotten bogged down or distracted in your Christian walk, or if you're just settling for good enough, it's time to get going again. If you've fallen into the trap of your besetting sin yet again and you've gotten comfortable there, it's time to put that away and get back to working with the Spirit to become holy. So that's the challenge. But there's also a comfort in this reality. We need to work to become more holy, but we know that it's the Holy Spirit who works in us to make us holy. We don't need to produce all of these things on our own without any help. God knows our weaknesses and our troubles. Oh my, how God knows our weaknesses and our troubles. Remember the power, who, the Spirit who gives us power unto holiness is also the Spirit who brought us to faith in the first place. God knows where we started, God knows where we're going, and He knows what the journey is like for each of us. Some of us are blessed to have relatively easy journeys to holiness. Some people have a much, much harder road to walk. God knows each of our situations, and the Holy Spirit works with us wherever we are. You may be far along on the road to holiness and finding each day pretty easy. You may find it just easy to use the gifts God has given you and to do the right thing. Or you may find that the road just goes on and on and on, and it seems like all you're doing is taking a step forward and a step back, a step forward and a step back. But for Christians in both of those places, the Holy Spirit is at work in us to give us power unto holiness. These days we bring our cars whenever they break to a big shop on St. Charles over in Villa Park. They've got maybe a dozen, maybe even a couple dozen bays for cars to be worked on. 
They have hundreds and probably even thousands of tools in that place. They've got hand tools, power tools, lifts to get the car off the ground, computers to diagnose anything and everything that could be wrong with just about any car. And they've got connections to all kinds of suppliers so they can get a part often in an hour, certainly in a day. I suspect in one day that place could fix dozens of cars if they had to. But back when we were in Africa, I had to take our car to a bush mechanic a couple times. And at best, those guys might have a shack, maybe 10 feet by 10 foot square if they'd done well for themselves. They'd have a few tools, never enough, but a few tools, and their entire inventory would be parts that they had ripped off of other old cars that came through and thrown in their pile. They were always running on the ragged edge of going broke, never had the parts they needed, and in a day, they might be able to get through, well, maybe, maybe a couple repair jobs. If you go to that first shop, that one here, you can expect a lot. You can expect the work to get done fast with the right parts and for things to go well. You go to that second shop, you'll be happy with whatever you get. If you can drive the car away at the end, it was a roaring success story that day. Some of us have great personal resources. We're naturally bent toward doing good. We had great families growing up. We had people who watched over us and encouraged us. It's easy for us to be holy, or at least relatively easy. It's easy for us to desire and to do good. Others of us have a much harder time. Home life's always been tough, maybe. We never quite got the affection or the attention or the direction we needed We're always running behind. We're always running ragged. Maybe we've even got a bent toward addiction or depression or anger. It's hard. It's just hard for some of us to ever do the right thing. There's comfort for all of us in the work of the Holy Spirit. If you believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit has been at work in you. The Holy Spirit is at work in you. Whether you start from a great place or a terrible place, the Holy Spirit gives God's people power to become more and more holy. You may be proceeding steadily along, steadily growing in Christ. You may be stumbling along and fighting for every single little step you take spiritually. But either way, the Holy Spirit is at work in those who believe. The spirit that brings us to life also works with all of us, all of us, to make us perfect. God knows what kind of tools you're working with. He knows what kind of resources you have. He knows your story. And if you belong to him, he works with you wherever you're coming from. So don't be discouraged. The Holy Spirit is at work in you, giving you power unto holiness. Even when we see just small progress in our lives, that's because the Holy Spirit is at work bringing God's power to bear on our brokenness. And that is a great and powerful comfort. The last text we're going to read for tonight helps us to see that challenge and that comfort in perspective. So as we conclude, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 I'm going to read verses 16 and 17. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple 
and that God's Spirit lives in you. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is sacred, and you, you are that temple. God's Spirit dwells in our midst. The Holy Spirit is present with believers now and forever. The Holy Spirit is present in believers now and forever. God himself lives with us and in us. And let that sink in for a minute. God himself lives in us. We are God's temple. We. We are the place where God lives on this planet. God's presence is with us right now. God's presence is with you if you belong to Jesus, wherever you go, whatever you do. The Holy Spirit is dwelling inside of you. What a call, what a comfort, what an obligation, and also what a joy. Whatever you do, wherever you go, you are God's temple, going to those places, doing those things. That's a challenge for all of us to lay aside our sinful ways more and more because you do not want to be taking God's temple into sinful places. But it's also an encouragement to all of us who belong to Jesus that God himself is with us. God himself is present in your life all the time. We are God's temple. The Holy Spirit is in us now and forever. And this is not just a vague force sort of hovering out there. This is God himself choosing to be with us and choosing to dwell within us. In the person of the Holy Spirit, God brings us from death to life. In the person of the Holy Spirit, God brings us on this journey to holy living. In the person of the Holy Spirit, God dwells within us now, and we will live with him forever. The Holy Spirit is personally present and powerful in God's people to God's glory and also to our gain. So let's close with this thought tonight. The Holy Spirit is present in us. The Holy Spirit is personally and powerfully present in us. Now and forever, God dwells within us. Within us.